college students. Um, so if you're a college student in here and you haven't made your way to Counterculture Tuesday, 7 p.m., we're excited to connect with you. We hope that you would come out and uh, be a part of that college community that Pastor Eli and Alyssa are leading. Hey, talking about uh, college and also uh, loving on our community, this coming Wednesday night, we normally would have Wednesday night ministry here at the church, but... Um, I've heard this statement before, the church is leaving the building and is going to the community. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to the community this Wednesday night. Uh, the community is meeting downtown Broadway for Paint the Town Red to kick off our football season. Uh, there's going to be different events planned, but we are going to have a tent out there, Flag Church, and uh, with Counterculture College Ministry, um, we're going to, the church as well as kids, we're just going to hang out as a community and love on our community. We'll be giving out cold coffee and iced coffee and um uh, so, great opportunity. We want to invite you. We will not have Wednesday night ministry here. We want to invite you to come be a part of the community. Uh, come hang out at our tent. There's going to be fun activities for the kids. Pastor Jalen will be out there. There's a kids run that they've got and lots of cool things happening out there from 6 to 8 p.m. So, we hope that you'd come be a part of that this coming Wednesday. So, we will not have midweek discipleship here. We'll just be doing ministry downtown. Just want to bring you in the loop on that. Also, we're excited a week from Wednesday, not this Wednesday, the following Wednesday, we'll be kicking off our Bible study in the book of Ephesians, so we're looking forward to that. We hope that you can come be a part of that, 7 p.m. Uh, we'll have an intro the first week, and then we'll be uh, getting into full, full gear on that, so excited. Uh, Kelly McKnight will be leading that study with Pastor Shelby and myself, and so we're looking forward to that. Also this morning, we're excited to announce that we have found our campus pastor for Fort Scott. So if you join me, and uh, yeah, Justin Eichenberger. Some of you may recognize that face. Uh, he was part of our church. He uh, kind of was involved in our youth ministry. He grew up, went through our youth ministry, but also was, uh, uh, has worked with Pastor Eli in, account, uh, in our youth ministry as well as a youth sponsor. He uh, then went away uh, to uh, ministry school, and he's currently serving as a worship pastor, and he'll be joining our team October 1st. We're excited for Fort Scott and that community and what God is uh, doing there and what he's getting ready to do through Justin. So I wanted to keep you guys in the loop on that. Hey, this morning, uh, we've got Pastor Shelby, our uh, worship and discipleship pastor, who's coming. He is in charge of our life groups and has done an outstanding job. We've got quite a few new life groups launching. He got to do a training yesterday with them. We're excited to see what God is doing, uh, going to do through our life groups, as well as doesn't he do an amazing job leading our worship ministry here? Can you join me in welcoming Pastor Shelby as he comes? All right. Um, man, worship team did fantastic this morning, though. Amen. I mean, they were, they were fantastic. Um, I love, uh, there's some Sundays I love being able just to kind of to partake and, and uh, be, be led in worship instead of leading worship. Don't be wrong, I love leading worship, but um, to be led in worship and, and experience that. And um, man, God's, God's just so good. Um, I've been 
going through, we've been starting off life groups and a bunch of things. Life group launch is in two weeks. I don't know if you guys are excited, but I am pumped. Like life groups, oh, life groups, if you're not in a life group, go ahead right now, go outside, sign up. No, I'm just kidding. But if you're not in a life group, this is where significant Christian relationships happen and you grow closer to God. That's what our life groups are all about, right? The life group really um, replaces kind of the early church model to gather inside of homes, break bread together. This is life group. So I'm, I'm super excited for that. In fact, it was in life group where I got the call to ministry, right? It was in a life group where I got the call to come into ministry. And so life groups, are, man, they're, they change your life. They really do. So get plugged in. Um, Pastor Tom preached a series a while back called The Table Changes Everything um, when he focused on all the meals in the book of Luke. Um, and I thought, what a great series to illustrate a key element of life groups, the breaking bread together. Um, I thought, you know, eating together, there, there is power in gathering around the table or in a living room and just breaking bread. Whether it's a snack or a meal, it's powerful. And so, life group leaders, let me encourage you this morning, don't skip that time. It's such a powerful moment when you can break bread together and eat and just hang out. Now, there is more than just eating together that happens in life groups. And so today, I'm going to kind of talk about all the elements, but really, I want to talk about this story. Who, who's here has ever heard of a guy named Eutychus in the Bible? Raise your hands. Anybody know Eutychus? Some of us, some of you will probably be like, yeah, I know that guy after you hear the story. Um, but we're going to talk about Eutychus. But before we do that, let's pray. Let's get our hearts ready to receive the word of God. God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. God, that you're so holy and you're worthy to be praised. Lord, we are here for you this morning. We're here for your word. We're here to know you, to draw closer to you. God, that it's not about us. We're here to lay everything at the foot of the cross so that you can come into our lives and transform us. Everything we do is for your glory, God. And so I pray this morning that as I speak words, Lord, that they would be your words, and those words would, would not fall on deaf ears, but at ears to hear, Lord Jesus, and that we would take the message this morning to the ends of the earth like we're called to, that we'd go and make disciples, that we wouldn't leave this place with the word just in our hearts, Lord, but we would leave this place with the words in our hearts and on our lips. Lord Jesus. So we love you. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to start a timer because here's the thing. I did, I was re working through my message and I went through it the other day. It was like three hours long, so I had to cut it down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did not cut it down. Uh, but I just want to start a timer and make sure. Um, okay, so who here knows somebody who can fall asleep whenever and wherever, right? Some of you, yeah, some of y'all in here probably do it, right? Um, this is, this is growing up. My brother and I, um, we shared a room right next to my parents' room. We had bunk beds. And I was that guy that, like, that kid that never wanted to go to sleep. My parents probably got super annoyed because I'm always talking and doing things. And so my brother, though, he was different, right, um, in a good way. But we would be in bunk beds. He'd be on the bottom. I'm on the top. And I would be talking in the middle of the night, or, well, maybe like 12 o'clock. My parents would be upset. They're yelling at us like 15 times to go to sleep. And I'd just be talking to him. I'd ask him a question, and then I'd be like, nothing, silent. I'm like, man, what's going on? I just asked him a question. This is an important question, you know, like kids ask him important questions. So I ask him a question, silence, and then all I hear is snoring. And I'm like, dude, we were just talking, like mid-conversation, guy just out, right? 
just out. And, and not only that, but he can fall asleep wherever as well. It doesn't matter if it's, he could be sleeping right now in a chair. He could be laying on the floor. He just falls asleep. I envy those people, right? Because it takes me an hour and a half to get to sleep. I swear it does. My wife's the same way. She's just like out. And I'm like, okay, great. What am I supposed to do? Just stare at the ceiling for a couple hours, right? And so I envy those people. And the story we get to talk about today is such a fascinating story. Uh, but it has one of those people in it. One of those people that can sleep wherever and whenever. It's an odd story, and yet it's super fascinating. So if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Acts, Acts 20, and we're going to read 7 through 12. I'll give you just a second to turn. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Acts 7. Uh, Acts 20, verse 7 through 12 says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and he dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms, and said, don't worry, he's alive. Then then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Such a fascinating story, right? I love the book of Acts, because anytime you read the book of Acts, It's always like, here's these natural things that are happening, and the supernatural is just kind of intertwined, right? It's just all of a sudden, oh, man, God just did something, a miracle here. God just did a miracle here. And it just kind of sits there in the book of Acts. It's such such a beautiful book. Um, But this this story is so fascinating about the church gathering to break bread, share the word together. This is where, really, we get life group, right? The model, I praise the Lord that the model has already been laid out for us. I love when God makes our jobs easy, right? That I don't, like, I didn't have to go and search for some life group model. It was already here in the book of Acts, right? The, 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 the early church is the model. You gather together to share the word, to grow closer to God, to have fellowship, and that's it. And so Paul spoke to them, right? And, and he continued his message um, until, until midnight, it says, um, in the, in the New Language, or the New Living Translation, it says, Paul spoke on and on, right? Thank the Lord, life group leaders, we don't have to speak on and on, right? We don't have to do that. So um, Paul sensed the need to preach for a long time, right? Because he was ready to depart the next day. So Paul sensed this need to continue the message. Why? To encourage those there, because he was getting ready to leave. So Paul wanted to encourage. And then Eutychus right? Eutychus is just sitting in this windowsill, three stories up, right? Um, the thing is, Paul didn't include this as a word about the length of sermons, right? So he didn't include this as like, man, pastors, y'all got to hurry up. Like, I got a football game to watch. That's not why he included this in scripture, right? But I do find it comforting that Eutychus fell asleep during Paul's preaching, because if anyone falls asleep here, they did it to Paul too, right? So, so if you guys fall asleep, that's okay. It happened to Paul. But Eutychus probably fell asleep because a mixed one of the late hour 
the heat, and perhaps maybe the fumes from all the oil lamps, right? His fall and death certainly would have put a sour note on the meeting. And there's some evidence that Eutychus fought sleep the best he could. In fact, the tenses in the Greek um, portray poor Eutychus as being gradually overcome despite his struggle to remain awake. And one could argue that maybe Eutychus became spiritually lax, right? That he should have known where he was sitting it was a bad spot since he was tired. Many scholars argue that this story deals with falling asleep on God, being spiritually dead. But my application is a little different this morning. My application for Eutychus isn't so much that he himself was spiritually dead, but instead that God saw value in continuing Eutychus' life. God saw value in continuing Eutychus' life. But I do want to address this, right? Because how often do we fall prey to temptation and drift off spiritually? Right? How often do we fall prey to temptation and drift off spiritually? And yet, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. God resurrects us and puts us back on his mission. Right? If we just say, God, hey, you know what? I've kind of drifted off. He says, great. Okay. Come on back. Come on back. Let's go on mission together. This is our God. So Paul, Paul goes down, right? Down the stairs. Three stories, by the way. Paul goes down, bends over Eutychus, takes him in his arms, and says, don't worry, he's alive. Paul, again, receiving the gift of faith from God, sensed God would raise this boy from the dead. And God did. As this is not like as fascinating to you as it was to me. Like I'm, I probably read this story, I don't know how many times, but when I was studying in the book of Acts, I just kept thinking, what a fascinating story. What a cool story that here's, they're just in the natural. They're saying, God, we're, we're in your presence, we're just hanging out, and this happens, and he just goes down like it's nothing, right? Paul just goes down there, picks him up, and says, don't worry, guys, he's alive. <laughs> like, it's such a, such a fascinating scene. Um, and can I just point this out this morning? This is just, this is just extra. When, when, you sense, um, when you sense that God is going to do something, lean into it. Something I just picked out of that too, right? Paul goes down to Eutychus and he, and he raises him, right? He says God, his life is in him because God raised him from the dead. Paul, through faith, sensed that God was going to move. What did he do? He leaned into it, right? So I just want to challenge you this morning. This is just something, it's not quite in my, my notes, but I want to challenge you. Lean into it. When God's going to do something and you can feel that presence of God, lean into it, right? Don't just say, oh, God, I don't know about this. Listen, God is good, God is holy, and God is miraculous. He does so many cool things, and so lean into it. Okay, so if you're taking notes this morning, here's, here's really my first point. Eutychus had a hunger for the word of God. Eutychus had a hunger for God's word. You see, Eutychus had probably come for the meeting after a long day at work, and still, I want to point this out. He spent the whole night listening to Paul. I want you to think about that for a second. It's easy in our lives to say, oh, man, I've had a long day. I'm going to just tune out and say I'm done. Right? I get it. I've done it before. I probably still do it. But Eutychus, Eutychus teaches us something different, a different lifestyle, that even when we're tired, what it is to sit in God's presence 
to say, oh man, this is where I want to be. Right? So Eutychus had this hunger for God's word. Eutychus wasn't being lazy, right? The fashion in which the verse is rendered in the Greek, it suggests that Eutychus struggled to stay awake, right? It says that he was dozing off. I mean, you ever seen like a baby, right? Newborn babies, sometimes they do this when they're trying to fight sleep and they're like, heads are like, like just going everywhere, right? Because they're bobbing, right? That's, it's the same. And some adults, y'all do that too. But um, like, you know what I mean? And it's, it's crazy. So Eutychus, he wasn't like, he was like, oh man, Paul, I've heard this a thousand times, your message. No, he was, he was trying to stay awake after a long day. And if you've ever done a 24-hour worship, um, like meeting worship and prayer gathering, then maybe you know what Eutychus was feeling, right? You've been a part of one of those things, like it's all day prayer and worship, and by the, by the end, sometimes you're, you're fighting sleep, right? Um, I remember one time I, I went to, to one at, in college, and I told myself, Lord, I'm going to fast. Like, this is it. I'm so dedicated to you. I get there. They got all these snacks out. First thing I do when I get in the door, they grab a strawberry and eat it. Like, that was it for me, right? So I did not fast that night. Um, but all that to say, like, I, I understand sometimes the drowsiness, right? When you've worked a long day at work, you get home, and you say, you know, I'm going to get into the Word. You open your Bible. You ever fallen asleep reading your Bible? That's okay. You, no, don't raise your hand. But, um, right? it, but it happens, right? And so Eutychus, it wasn't that he was being lazy. He actually had a hunger for God's word. He wanted to be in this place. He wanted to hear Paul speak. He wanted to draw closer to God through his word. And then Eutychus also, he had fellowship with people. This is point number two. He had fellowship with people. See, there's a cool blending of the natural fellowship and the supernatural healing when people gather. Right? I'm not saying it happens every time. I'm not saying every time you gather, God's going to heal somebody. But he's not going to heal somebody if you don't gather and pray for it. Right? I mean, he, I mean, he sure could still, right? Let me get wrong. God is all powerful. But what I'm saying is sometimes what God does is he uses people as catalysts for miracles to happen. Right? This is our God. Right? And so um, the supernatural became almost common to the early church and especially in the book of Acts. Miracles were happening all the time. People put their faith in the power of God, and God poured out his love on his creation. Right? Eutychus had fellowship with people. He would go, he would gather, he wanted to be in the Lord's presence, and he wanted to be in the Lord's presence with people. This scene is so unique that what is not recorded, I want to just point this out, and maybe they did, but what's not recorded is it doesn't say that everyone freaked out when Eutychus fell. Right? It doesn't say that. We don't get this, this picture as Luke's writing the gospel or the, I mean, the book of Acts here. It doesn't, we don't get this picture that everyone just started freaking out. What we get is this calm picture of Paul. He goes down the stairs. He says, well, don't worry. His life's still in him, right? I, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen, but I wonder if it's because the people had faith in God, the mighty power of God, Right? How often do we freak out in every situations, right? Instead of going to God and, and trusting in what he has the power to do. I do it all the time. I'm like, okay, God, I, like, freaking out over here, right? I'll be talking to Rachel. We're freaking out about some situation. And then I've always realized when I bring it to God, peace that surpasses all my understanding happens in that moment. Right? Every time, 
So bring it to God, right? Eutychus knew that fellowship is, so, is as important as teaching and learning the word of God. Listen to this. Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially that the, now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not neglect meeting together, right? Some of us use the excuse, I'm too busy for life group, or I'm too busy for church. And I have used that excuse in my own life before, and then I come back to this, this thing that's, that's challenged me. Am I too busy to be in the Lord's presence? Am I too busy to be in the Lord's presence? Right? And if the answer's, if you do find your answer, yes, like, it's time for a shift, because there's nothing greater than being in God's presence. There's nothing better than sitting in his presence and soaking up who he is and learning more about him. Right? There's nothing better than that. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, which describes the unity of the spirit that comes from Christians' shared beliefs, their convictions, and behaviors. When those shared values are in place, genuine or fellowship or biblical fellowship occurs. In the 1500s, a close associate of Martin Luther, Philip, I'm not going to get his name right, it's like Melikathan, I don't know, um, clarified that the three main principles of biblical Christian fellowship in a famous quote, and he says this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. I love this quote. I'm going to break it down, right? We must have unity over the various doctrinal dis- uh, distinctives. We must be unified in what we believe to be essential, right? right? The, the part of the faith that we would die for, right? That Jesus, in fact, died and rose from the dead. That's non-negotiable in Christian faith, right? If that didn't happen, I'm not sure what we're standing on, right? But it did happen, and so it's a non-negotiable. So he says... In the essentials, we should have unity, right? The church should be unified in what they believe to be true in the essential things of the gospel. He says, but in the non-essential things, we must have liberty. Areas that are not directly related to salvation or God's identity are not as essential. Now, don't don't hear me this morning, right? They're still important, but they're not as essential, right? Some of those things that Christians argue about, right? I always ask someone a question, like if I see... Christians arguing on Facebook, I'm always like, listen, if it's, not a, if it's not about salvation, in the long term, you guys are arguing for nothing. Like, it really doesn't, what are you doing? You're not helping anybody get better, right? If it's not, a, and so he said, in that, have liberty. And then depending on the clarity of scriptural teaching on any given subject, believers, what they should do is show humility of non-essentials to guide our understanding of biblical fellowship right? To show humility and say, you know what? I may not be right, and that's okay, right? Listen, I'm not going to stand up here and and, and say I have every part of the Bible down to where I'm like, yep, this is for sure the answer. There is the mystery of the Gospels sometimes, right? If you've ever read the book of Revelation, you know what I'm talking about, because I have no idea what's happening in there half the time. I'm not even sure John knew what was happening half the time, right? How do I know that? Because he said like a lot of times. He said it looked like this, which means he wasn't quite sure what he was seeing, (laughs) right? And so to have humility, though, to say, you know what? I'm not, I don't quite, and especially, man, when you gather in life groups, 
some of the best life groups, if you just have humility and say, you know what, I, maybe that's right, maybe it's not, right? Um, but in all things, charity. Biblical Christian fellowship is an important issue um, for Christians and leaders who equip them. But in any case, the unity of believers around the truth should always be sought and maintained, right? To be unified as a church. Let me tell you something, the church can get a lot of things done unified, right? It can get nothing done if we're just all going different directions. The Bible itself says that we are to love God and then love others, and love others doesn't have stipulations. So when you disagree on something biblical, you can't say, you know what, I'm going to choose to not love you anymore, right? It doesn't have stipulations, And Eutychus, Eutychus was in the presence of God. Eutychus was in the presence of God. Experiencing God's presence should be the core purpose of every Christian gathering. Every time we gather, it should be to sit in his presence. Because there's nothing like his presence. Right? You guys feel it. You know what I'm talking about. If you came to Encounter Night, man, were we in God's presence. God was moving, he was doing things, he was doing miraculous things because we came and we sat in his presence and we said, not with an agenda, not to say, God, I need things from you, but to say, God, I want to know you more. That's why we come. That's why we gather. That's why we go to life group because we want to say, you know what, God, I want more of you, right? It's not to say, well, pastors told me I got to be in a life group, so I got to check that box, right? I don't really feel like going. No, 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 no. It's not, listen, listen, don't sign up for, for our sake, right? We want you to go into his presence and experience God all of the time. And one of those ways is through life group, right? One of those ways is reading through your Bible, going to prayer, right? We want you to be in his presence all the time because we know that there's nothing greater in this world than being in God's presence. You can argue, you can give me whatever example you want. I say, great, it's not as good as being in his presence, doesn't matter what you bring forward. There's nothing better than being in the presence of God. And Eutychus knew that. Eutychus wanted more of that. It's the ultimate outcome of celebrating the word of God and enjoying fellowship with his people. It's his presence. Right? Listen, I'll admit, there are times, there have been times in my life where I don't feel like going to life group. Or there have been times, listen, I, I'm going to be honest, right? Because I'm in front of God. There have been times in my life I didn't feel like going to church right? And, and here's the thing. I'm always thankful that I went because I got to experience the presence of God. And if I'd have stayed home, what I would have done is not experienced that presence. So I'm always thankful. Eutychus chose to remain in the presence of God and had the most powerful encounter a man could ever have. He was raised from the dead. And the miraculous took place Right? Because Eutychus was in the presence of God. And so what do we do? What do we do with this fascinating story? I got three points, right? three application points that I want us, if you're taking notes, to write down. Uh, the first one is this. We must have a thirst and hunger after the word. Let God's word be the top priority in our life. If you don't have, I call it what I call the Jesus calendar, and Bill Hybels talks about it in his book, Simplify. He talks about so many Christians are like, well, I didn't get in the word today, right? And it's because you didn't plan it. 
You didn't plan it. You just said, here's what happens in a lot of our lives. We say, God, I'm going to get in your word today. I don't know when, but I promise I will. And then what happens is next thing you know, it's 9 p.m. You've had a full day of work and whatever else. And you say, you know what, God, I'll get to you tomorrow. You say, I'll get to you tomorrow. And let me tell you what you do tomorrow. The same thing you did yesterday, right? It's, well, God, I'm going to get to you. I'll get to you again, maybe the next day, right? And so Bill Hybels comes up with this solution, right, which is really not a solution. It's just the fact that you say, okay, build your calendar around God's presence rather than building your calendar around your own desires and things, right? He says to build it around God's presence. So he says, okay, if you put it on your calendar, how much more likely you are to keep the meeting with God. And I love it, right? To have a hunger and thirst for God's word. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. We come to to read his word, not out of obligation, not out of obligation, right? But out of passion and a desire to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. That's why we read his word, to know him more, to draw near to him. Listen, don't limit your exposure to God's word to public gatherings alone. Right? Don't limit your exposure to, to public gatherings alone. Crave the word daily. Right? If this is the only time you get to dive into the word, you're missing out. You're missing on so much more. Right? The 30 minutes a pastor gets up here and preaches on Sunday morning is not near enough time for you to study and hear the word. There's so much more. I'm reading, I don't even know how many words there are in the Bible, and every Bible is going to be a little different because different translations, but I'm, I'm reading like 30 today right, out of probably 10 million, like, I don't know, but there's a lot, right, there's so much more for you, so don't just, don't just keep it to, don't just say, okay, you know what, on Sundays is when I get my Jesus time, no, he wants, he wants that relationship with you, First Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk of the word, right, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation, the word of God is necessary for our growth. And so we should all desire for more of it, right? We should never get tired of the simple truths of the gospel that are presented to us. Right? Some of us will say, well, you know, I've read the Bible from cover to cover, so I'm good. No, right? Like every time I read the Bible, there's something new. I mean, the story of Eutychus. I was like, man, there's so much here. It's like 10 verses, or maybe even less than that. And there's so much that I missed because I've read it before, but when you go back and you read it again, God starts to speak to you, starts to pull things out that maybe you haven't seen before. He starts to reveal things about his character, about himself to you when you read the Bible. Number two, find fellowship with God's people. Find fellowship with God's people. I want you to get this. Anyone can worship at home, but no one can have fellowship with themselves. Anyone can worship at home, but no one can have fellowship with themselves, right? I mean, you, you may think you can talk to yourself, and it may be fun for a little bit, but it's so much better when someone's talking back to you, right? So you, you can't just sit at home and say, you know what, I'm good. Like, I don't need to go to church. I don't need life group. I don't need fellowship time. Listen, if COVID did anything, I think it really showed us 
that we need fellowship. Because there are so many people that, that were so lonely that have still not come out of their houses and stuff, sped things up. Right? Hebrews 10.25 says, not neglecting gathering together like some do. Right? Try hugging the TV after watching the televangelist and tell me how that goes. <laughs> right? Like, like, what is that going to do? They're not gonna, they don't know your name. They don't know who you are. They may be praying some general prayer for their congregation, but and what it is to come to fellowship and have someone lay hands on you and pray over you. And, and worship beside you and, and tell you things that God is speaking into their lives about you, right? Fellowship is such an important part of our walk with Jesus. Fellowship with one another is one of the ways we put God's word into action. So listen, don't avoid fellowship. Don't avoid church. And don't avoid life groups, right? Let me tell you something. Some of the best time in my life I've ever had has been in life groups. The, the most, like, listen, you can get some transformation here, and I'm not saying um, life groups maybe are better than, than, than coming to church full gathering, but what I am telling you is there's something different. It's a different element in life groups, right? Because what happens in life groups is you get to confess your sins to one another. You get to have conversation about things you're struggling with, right? On Sunday morning, there's, I don't know, hundred some people in here, I don't think anyone's going to stand up and say, I struggle with this. And if you do, you know, power to you. But, like, you get to do that in a life group. You get that fellowship. You get to hang out with other like-minded believers. And let me tell you something that happens in circles, right? Transformation. Transformation takes place. Because you get to start diving into the Word a little bit deeper. You get to do some of these things. The last point, right, is this. Remain in the presence of God. Remain in the presence of God. See, there's power. There's power in his presence. And we become stronger in his presence the more time we spend basking in his presence. I love this verse. David, in in Psalm 139, 7, he says, I can never escape from your spirit. And I can never get away from your presence. You see, David uses this verse to describe God's omnipresence, right? That he is always present. It was a comfort for David. Is it a comfort for you? Right? To always be in the presence of God. He longed to always be in God's presence. And that should be our longing as well. Like every day I want to say, God, where, where can I go from your presence? Because I'm always longing to sit in your presence and hear what you have to say and hear your words, right? The verse to pray fervently, right, means to have continual conversation with God, right? Even in the workplace, right? No matter where you're at, to say, to always be in that commune with God, to always want to be talking to him, to be with him, to be in his presence. Don't limit your God's presence to Sunday service only. Don't limit it to Sunday service only. Our temptation, like I said earlier, was, is to say, I'm too busy. Listen, I get that. I, every time you meet somebody, what's the number one thing they tell you when you say, how are you doing? I'm busy. I'm good, but I'm busy. Right? I'm good, but I'm busy. 
I've been asking myself a lot, am I too busy to be in God's presence? Am I too busy to be in God's presence? Remember, you cannot have the presence of God in your life unless he has you in his presence. You cannot have the presence of God in your life unless he has you in your presence. John 15, 4 says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. Right? The first step is, he says, to remain in him, and then he will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So we need to be in his presence, right? We need to be in his presence, come to him first. And then what does he do in return? He shares his presence with us. So Eutychus, Eutychus shows that the word, fellowship, and the presence of God are something we should long for more of. You see, when we do this, we find peace in all situations. We find joy in our difficulties. We find hope. We find love. And we yearn for more of God. So go to church, right? Join a life group. Go to Bible study on Wednesday nights. Here's what I know. I thank God that he wants to know us. That he wants that relationship with us. And he wants us to draw closer to him. Listen, you can leave today still making excuses for why you're not in God's presence more and more or you can take action, right? And I'm not saying right now everybody go out and join a life group. What I'm saying is I want the best for you. And I know that the best is being in God's presence. That's what I know. Because I've experienced it. I know that when I'm in his presence, everything else is just fading behind me. That there truly is nothing better. And so, listen, if you want to be in a life group, if you want to be in a life group, we got sign-ups. We got plenty of life groups. We may need a few more leaders, but we got plenty of life groups. Change happens in life groups. Change happens in the presence of God. Would you guys stand? And there's truly nothing like being in the presence of God. To experience who he is, to know more about him. So would you guys bow your heads this morning? You see, some of you in this place have never experienced the love of the, the, of the Father. Never experienced the love of God. You've never experienced freedom from bondage. And I think it would be foolish for us to leave today without giving you an opportunity to give your life to God. See, God's knocking on some doors this morning. And all he wants you to do is open and invite him in. He wants you to experience fellowship with him, to experience joy that it is to be in his presence. 
Listen, if that's you this morning, if you want to recommit or accept God into your life for the first time, would you raise your hand? For those that have raised their hands, I want to pray um, a prayer this morning, and I want everyone to join along. Um, So just repeat after me. Say, Lord, come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my sin and I turn towards you. I give you all of my life, all that I am, all that I have and all that I hope to be. I'm yours. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for changing me. And thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Let me pray this blessing over you guys. The peace of God in your, be in your heart. The grace of God be in your words. The love of God be in your hands. The joy of God be in your soul. And in the song that your life sings. Amen. Go. We'll see you guys on Wednesday if you want to come and be a part of the community outreach. Thank you for joining us at 